Welcome to the RPGs podcast where we talk about everything tabletop RPG related, mainly with a focus on Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, but we like a little bit of everything around here. We are continuing our session of discussing how to go about homebrewing. We've done magic items, we've done subclasses, and the next obvious one will be to go how to create a class, right? Wrong. We're going backwards. And instead we are going to be talking about how to create a monster. Now, this is normally like the second step. If you haven't created a magic item for your party, odds are you created a monster in some way, shape, or form. It is something that actually, when you look down into it, is more complicated, at least on paper, than it actually is, uh, or than you might think it would be. Because you think, oh, like I've gotten the hang of how the stats work and stuff, and you know, how much really can... If I use a D8 instead of a D6 or use two D8s, how much like is that really going to affect things? And the answer is, you can't really predict it. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about that today. So the key thing that comes up mechanics-wise, because, you know, as always, creating homebrew, you're always going to ask yourself, like, why are you creating this homebrew? Why are you creating a homebrew monster? Is the thing you want not in the monster manual? Does it not fulfill the specific fantasy that you're thinking of as the dungeon master, as the, as the game master? So once if you've answered that question, then you can really think, okay, cool. I know for certain why I'm creating this. Because if you're thinking, ah, you know, the owlbear suits my role that I want for this monster, but I don't really like, I don't want owlbears to be in my world. Well, then just take the owlbear stat block and call it something else call it like the Gruffalo or something, you know, make it this this other other monster. So that's, once that's all answered, once you've kind of been like, cool, I know that I want to create a monster, then you get really bombarded by the concept of challenge rating. Because people think, ah, you know, the, the your monsters are the DM's characters, sort of, you know, because a monster, I mean, I'm using monster very loosely. I mean, thing that has like a monster stat block, which doesn't necessarily have to be a monster. It can be the dungeon master's wizard villain, you know, it could be whatever. So I think people get really hung up on challenge rating because that is the, the maths, that is the calculation that we have to make sure that you as the dungeon master have not created some, have, you've created something that is quote unquote balanced quote-unquote fair and it's gonna and it's gonna suit everything now we are gonna talk about challenge rating because you cannot have an episode talking about how to create a monster without talking about challenge ratings so don't fret that will be addressed but i think the largest portion of this episode is really going to be trying to debunk being held down by creating a monster that fits into this challenge rating this rigid challenge rating structure because at the end of the day, creating monsters is really fun and actually quite easy. Uh, obviously, it depends what you're creating them for, but for the most part, quite straightforward. So let's get into it. In the monster manual and in the dungeon master's guide, they talk about challenge. They talk about challenge rating, which your players obviously have player levels. You know, you've got a level 10 wizard. That's how you know that you're a stronger wizard than level two wizard. So the monsters have challenge rating. It's kind of like a monster's level. Determines things like their proficiency bonus, largely determines their damage. But what is challenge rating? So your monster manual mentions that the challenge rating uh, talks about how great of a threat the monster is. 
an appropriately equipped and well-rested party of four adventurers should be able to defeat a monster that has a challenge rating equal to its level without suffering any deaths. So with that in mind, basically means that a party of four level threes should be able to defeat a level three monster no real big problem. But now what does that mean without suffering any deaths? That's, <laughs> I feel like that's a big window. For starters, death is only really threatening in like your first maybe two tiers of play. Like by the time you get to above level 10, your DM has to try hard. And if you're sticking to the challenge rating system, you're not going to kill a, a player character. So what does it mean is that it's easy that it's uh, not going to sustain a death the way i've seen it and through experience is that a challenge rating if if a party of four characters takes on a monster of equal level so level 3s taking on a challenge rating 3 monster it's going to be what i would call medium difficulty you're going to have to use some resources you're going to take some damage Odds are you're not going to be dropped to zero. Odds are you could probably save some of your more intense spells and things like that for a bigger challenge. So that's fine, you know. I mean, we'll talk about how to create encounters in another episode, but I'm a very big fan of your encounter must serve a purpose. I think random encounters in 5e are... (laughs) I think they're dumb because it's not like a video game where even a random encounter... The, 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 it can be really quick and you're going to get experience from it. When you're mostly doing milestone leveling, there's no real point in doing random encounters. Of course, if you're going XP leveling, then that makes a lot more sense. And it really just slows down the game. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So that's what a challenge rating is. So if you are challenge rating... But now that challenge rating doesn't calculate. It doesn't allow you to see, okay... What about a monster that is at level challenge rating four for a couple level threes? Is that going to be deadly? And the answer really is it depends. And that's kind of why I don't agree with the challenge rating system. Uh, It's supposed to kind of go based off an experience points and everything like that. So it's why it's not really good. Is it accurate? At low levels, yeah, it can be definitely be accurate. Um, Up, like I said, up to like level seven, eight around there. I used challenge rating for my home game for for the longest time and that was a good it was it was good. Sometimes it didn't work out because this I think because the game of D&D is very multifactorial. You know, this doesn't account for like very rare magic items, rare magic items. Maybe you're like me and you give your party of level fours one legendary magic item as a plot system, like a plot device. Now, are they technically the strength of level 3 is probably not. They're probably stronger. But they're probably stronger in damage-wise, but they still don't have the health pool to back it up as like quote-unquote level 5s or level 6s would. They're still level 3s in that regard. So that's why I think challenge rating, it tries to do something that I think is really difficult to do. And that is kind of create a uniform approach to using one thing that is very variable against another thing that could be very variable. So with that in mind, you know, let's let's look. The Dungeon Master's Guide talks about the steps of using challenge rating to creating a monster. So it talks about in the challenge in the monster manual, I mean in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's a whole thing about the different monster stats and it breaks down challenge rating in comparison to a recommended proficiency bonus, recommended armor class, recommended hit point range, recommended attack bonus, damage per round, and save DC if they do have one. 
And it goes all the way from CR0 to ha having like two proficiency bonus armor class of 13, uh, but up to six HP, all the way down to a level, a challenge rating 30 monster, supposedly having a plus nine to hit, an AC of 19, which is where it packs up, it peaks out there. Uh, getting 806 to 850 hit points uh, with a total damage per round of 303 to 320 with a save DC of 23. Now you see, I don't know, me personally, I read those numbers off and some of them I'm like, sure, that is going to provide a big challenge for like level, for the final tier of play, you know, level 17, 18, 19s. But some of it, I'm like, that's really not high enough. An armor class of 19 if you're playing with level, like a challenge rating 30 is supposedly supposed to be impossible for level 20s to beat. That's, it's a whole 10 challenge rating levels above what the player, what the party is. If you were to throw a challenge rating 14 at a level, a party of four level fours, that's beyond deadly, one hidden and they're killing something. So then surely a Chandrian 30 should be much stronger. But if you look at like the armor class, the armor class of 19, okay, a level 20 character has a plus nine to their proficiency bonus. No, not plus nine, plus six to their proficiency bonus. Odds are they've got maxed out whatever their main stat is. You're really looking at a plus 11 to hit. Odds are they have at least a very rare type of magical item. So that probably adds a plus two to the attack bonus. So that's a plus 13 to hit, meaning they have to roll a six or higher in order to hit, which is what, like 75% chance to hit? If I'm throwing a level 30, sorry, challenge rating 30 monster at my level 20s who are basically gods at this stage, I want it to not hit all the time. Or if it does hit, it must have something else tons of resistances or some form of cool like mirroring carapace or something i think the tarasque has that to to really make it so it's not just a big old pile of hit points that's very easy to hit because there's nothing like missing is lame for sure but hitting is like hitting and, and not doing any damage is probably worse or hitting and feeling like your hit meant nothing is worse. I'd much rather have a much higher AC on my monsters and a much lower HP, personally. But you can see there why like it's a bit of a skewed system because there's so many variabilities. If you have a party that is all melee characters and the cast and then there's casters, if this creature has a bajillion saving like a uh, save to so the saving throw but then they have a very low AC. It doesn't matter. They're going to get destroyed by the players because the players aren't attacking at the saving throw. So you see what I mean by it's hard to make something that's uniform. You ideally would have like, this is a challenge rating 20 for a more caster-based party and a challenge rating 20 for a more martial-based party and that kind of thing. But that's, you know, it's not going to work. It goes through, the Dungeon Master's Guide goes through the steps of like, choose your expected challenge rating and then... Um, that's, that's what you're working towards. You look at the table and you decide there. So once you've cho chosen your expected challenge rating, which you use based off of like what I spoke about in the monster manual, that if you've got four level fours, you want to, you wanted a medium level encounter, you throw, you create one challenge rating four monster. You're like, okay, cool, I've decided my challenge rating. Then it goes go to the base statistics. Cool. You've got that from the table. Easy breezy. Adjust the statistics. This is the key point. And now I 
tend to skip steps one and two for the most part because step three is really where it's at. And I tend to, instead of looking at this table, I tend to compare it to other monsters, but I'll get to that. And lastly, you look at your final challenge rating. So then they break it up into an offensive and a defensive challenge rating, which, like I said, it's not going to be... Dindy is more nuanced than that. Defensive, cool. AC, HP, saving throw DCs, uh, saving throw proficiencies, doesn't, those aren't all created equally. Offensively as well. If you have a monster that can deal one to one melee attack per turn, it does like 12 D10 damage. That's huge, 100%. But 12 D10 damage to one target is I would argue, I wouldn't say it's weaker than, but it's it's very different. So you can't compare it to another creature that can do a breath weapon of a 60-foot cone of 60 10. Sure, it's half the damage, but you potentially can do it to the entire party. Two breath weapons and you can down the entire party versus one attack and you're downing one character, which means you have to, the monster needs four rounds at least to down the entire party. So... Very clearly, the challenge rating system is flawed. It's, I, it's admirable. I see what it's trying to do, but I just don't think that is possible. And that's where the, a more nuanced or a more tailor-made approach really comes in. So I scrapped this. <laughs> um, to be clear, for the first like five or six levels, I think after like level eight or nine, I did use the challenge rating system for the most part. Um, but above like, but I started to throw more of like my own creations into the encounters that I didn't use the challenge rating system for. It was more of an eyeballing kind of system. So as per usual, you always got to ask yourself a couple of questions when you're creating a monster. What are you creating this for? I'd say the easiest and thing I'm most familiar with would be creating it for a specific adventure, for a specific encounter, something like that. Of course, you know, uh, with drive through RPG, DMs Guild, and, and other third-party publishers, there is the idea of publishing or creating a monster for publishing so that other players can use it in a more general adventure capacity. So that's something you need to think about is what am I creating it for? Because that's going to influence the next few steps. So once you've decided what am I creating this for, then you're thinking about what is the monster? The what are you creating it for does help with this. Because if you're playing... I'll use an example. I created, quote unquote, created a the magical owl, a magical owl bear. All right, very very simple monster. Where in my home game, the party was exploring this uh, magical forest that was nearby uh, one of the largest cities on the island, and this city was known for its magical innovation, known for its wizardry and its artificing and all that kind of stuff. So, artifice. So, what happened was, in the lore of the world, was that a lot of wizardy things that have happened in the town or the city have bled out because the city has gotten so, so big over time and just become more and more populated with more magical people that the nearby forest has become uh, overrun with people that are, or, or things that are, that affect how... It become, it's become overrun with magical effects, should I say. It's become overrun with things that were one way at one point. But over time, because of all this dense population of magic, it has become something else. 
So I was like, okay, what's something that my players are really very familiar with? They all know a lot about D&D. They've all played for many years. The Owlbears. Owlbears are a very iconic monster. So then I was like, okay, well, the Owlbear lore is already quite steeped in the idea of wizards and, you know, magical experimentation and everything like that. So what if I ramped that up a notch and rather have it that some of these Owlbears that were created many, many centuries ago by wizards and things like that, that now live in the forest... Because of their natural affinity, because of how they were created, the magic that bleeds bleeds out from the city uh, changed them to the point where they are able to cast spells. Very simple change, incredibly simple. I wouldn't call that homebrewing a monster, but I'm just using it for this example. So... I created it specifically for the. I created it for the specific adventure. They, I knew where they were in the world, and I knew what I wanted to get out of this monster. I knew it was going to be an encounter, whether it was going to be something that they dealt with, you know, via combat or some other means that I didn't know yet. But what I did know is where they were, what I wanted to show them, and what the point of the encounter was going to be. The last question is something that really only applies if you're creating something for one specific adventure. So once you've decided that, once you've decided why you're creating this monster, for what reason, and so on, then the fun part comes in. You create the stats. And now this feels dumb because I'm like, oh, I just talked about the, 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 the table. And look, the table is useful. If you want to use the table, use this. I feel like there's lots of websites that allow you to like, calculate a monster's challenge rating uh, based off of the various traits and stuff they have. And that's what I used to do for a good number of levels, a good number of, of months playing that game until I realized that that wasn't, not, I wouldn't say it wasn't optimal, but I realized that that wasn't, getting me the result that the amount of time I was dedicating to that was was uh, relative to, you know? So what I ended up starting to do was I started to look at monsters that already existed in the monster manual, you know, in the SRD and things like that, and looked at their challenge ratings. And I used the challenge rating system, sure, but early days, I looked at their challenge rating and used that as a benchmark for how strong was this monster meant to be. And now this also falls down into what is the purpose of the encounter. Because in my mind, an encounter needs to serve a purpose. And like I said, random encounters don't really do that. If your encounter is for world building purposes, that's one thing. You generally don't want to kill your party then. So then you want to go for a medium level encounter. If your part, if your encounter is to let the players have some combat because they haven't had it in, in a long time, then you also want a medium level encounter. Let them flex their muscles. Let them use some of their new abilities. If your encounter is to show that that a conflict is real, that a conflict is big, a conflict is important, then you're going to want to have a higher level CR because if, or higher, higher level monsters in this encounter, because if your players are just rolling dice and beating things, then there's no gravity. Then the point of the encounter is not there, which means the point of the monster wasn't there. So I then looked at comparing the various stats of the various monsters in this instance with the magical albe very easy you know i just took an albe and I looked at their stats and i did buff it a little bit i was like cool albe is what cr5 they were like level nines or eights at the time this is not going to do anything you don't have to fight a couple of them so let's you know add another damage die here or there and then what i did was is i 
for my own fun, I randomized, I randomly rolled for the spells that they learned. Each owlbear could cast one type of spell at will. And I got some random things, you know, I got like uh, find traps. I got fly was one of them. I think one of them got um, scorching ray, which was fun. One got misty step and it just made for a fun encounter. But how how do you create this? How do you create the monster itself? You can look at the table for the stats themselves. But really, what I like to do is I like to go down each of the steps and think, what is the purpose of this monster? In flavor, what is this monster going to do? So if you start off with the quote-unquote defensive stats, HP and AC, is this monster supposed to be hardy? Do I want players, my players or any other players I'm going to publish this for, do I want them to be able to hit this monster? Or do I want them to feel like, wow, this monster's jumping in and out everywhere. Is it like a quickling, like like glass cannon? I can't hit it, but when I do hit it, it's not going to do, it's going to do tons of damage and probably get taken out of one or two hits. Or do I want it that it's easy to hit it, but I'm not going to do tons of damage because it's got lots of resistances or lots of HP. That's where you decide the different stats. That's where you decide what the HP is, what the AC is. When you go down to your armor clock, when you go down to your attack rolls, the proficiency bonus, sure, I kind of keep that on level with the party level that I'm trying to keep it at. It may be not, maybe one or two CR, uh, proficiency bonuses higher if I want to. If I wanted to guaranteed hit, but maybe not hit as hard. If one is hit very hard, then oftentimes I will lower its two hit score, make its CR a little bit lower. The relative stats that it has are very much where you can think about comparing it to player character, comparing it to monsters. Player character eight, you know, the strongest player character should only reach level 20 strength. That's like at their highest level, unless they rolled really well at like level 10 to level 12 or they should hit like 20 strength. So if this monster is going to be stronger than your strongest like hero, which a lot of monsters should be, you know, if it's more of like a melee kind of tanky monster, make it strength 22, make it strength 23, compare it to a player. Same with intelligence, same with charisma, same with wisdom. These are all general tips that I would use when I create a monster. Now, for the more specific things, which is where it becomes difficult, because this is really all I can say is that is that I create monsters for the most part for my, my adventures for the players. So I know what I'm dealing with. I know that my players are stronger than the Irish level fives or so on. But not always. it's not always the case. This is if you're going to be publishing something. But it doesn't mean that you can't do this next step. And that is to think about the encounter and how long you want it to last for. And that goes back to what the purpose of this encounter is. You know, if it's just to give a bit of a break from the monotony of like shopping episodes, two rounds at most three, and I think you're golden. You know, if you want this to be a epic encounter and if your players like epic encounters, this can go up to from six to 12 rounds. And that's your calculation. Uh, I feel like that's controversial because a lot of people are like, oh, no, I don't want encounters to last that long. But you're, I'm talking your boss fights. I'm talking your, like, there's definitely an in-between. There's, like, mini bosses which should go up to, like, four or five rounds at most. Uh, could be able to start and end in one session. And then you've got your epic boss encounters, like, end of, an, end of a campaign kind of thing. That should be, like 
could be could go up to like two whole sessions maybe even more as long as people are still having fun so if you want it to last that long that's where the math comes in look at your party or you look at an average party an average party probably has like a fighter a wizard a rogue a bard and a ranger you know it's normally got like two casters one to two martial characters one to two like half casters and then you calculate that you calculate what is their average hp going to be all right great now this monster i wanted to be able to attack multiple creatures at once cool do i want to have multi-attack or a cone weapon like a breath weapon um cool if i want to have a breath weapon oftentimes those are recharged the recharge of five or a six if they're going to be recharging, make them really strong. Those should be like, oh damn! I hope that they, the players don't, uh, the, the monster doesn't get to recharge their breath weapon kind of situations. So then you calculate every player's HP. You calculate the general damage, like the av- above average damage they can do on a turn. So what I normally like to do is, I'll take like cool average party, let's say level five fighter with this sword, whatever, and I say, okay, they've got extra attack. Let's assume that they don't action surge because they're going to do one round. Let's assume they don't action surge. Max damage they're going to be doing with their plus one long sword with their plus four strength is, I don't know, I'm just going to make up a number 18. Let's say 22 damage. Cool. We get to our wizard. Our wizard can cast a fireball. Say they target the fireball on this monster. Let's say on an odd occasion, the monster fails their saving throw and the, for some reason they roll 8d6s and all of them land on six how much total damage is that going to be and so on i go all the way through so that in worst case scenario how much damage is the party able to deal with in a round is that enough to kill the monster yeah for sure so that's up the hp that's up the hp so that if they were to get a perfect round twice in, in two rounds they would win but they're not going to get a perfect round ever so odds are that account is probably going to last three rounds but that perfect round didn't take into account things like action surge or you know get critting on a sneak attack and so on and that's how you would calculate the monster's hp once again cycling it back to why have i created this monster what is this encounter for if this is you know your big 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 bad and one perfect round can kill them based on the hp you have set well then you know times that hp by 10 or something like that you know what i mean um so then you've created HP. Armor class, as I said, I like to think of armor class as what do I want this armor class to be in terms of the story, in terms of the uh, narrative I'm trying to create with this monster. Is it supposed to be, is the armor class, is, is there not really a narrative at all? Then the armor class can be low, it doesn't really matter. Is the is it like a quickling that's zooming in and out and barely can get hit? Make the armor class super high. Am I trying to create something that, am I trying to create that moment for the players of like, uh, cool, I rolled as a 24 hit and then you look at them and you go, no, because their AC is 25. Like 25 is really high AC for sure. But as I said before, at level 20, like really high top tier level of play, you got like a plus 13, plus 14 to hit anyways, which means you're still going to hit 50, 50% of the time. And odds are you have people that have saving throws and all that kind of business. So that's how you calculate HP and AC then speed and that kind of stuff that's not really too devastating um i would always recommend thinking about just thinking about movement you don't have to think about a number or anything like that think about how the monster's going to move a lot of people look at things like oh okay it's so strong but i want to be big and lumbering as a then as a dm you're like oh wow i only give it 15 feet of movement and you start moving and you're like okay i'm gonna get you guys and then they've got like uh, a warlock that's got the eldritch blast repelling blast and things like that that's just constantly giving you a headache 
So think about transport, think about teleporting, uh, dashing, like abilities that allow them to dash, abilities that allow them to move really fast, fly, that kind of stuff, fly by and misty steps at will and whatnot. Those are good things to think about because your monster needs to be able to potentially, if it's a bad, like a, like a very good or very strong encounter, should potentially need to be quite mobile. Then, as I said, you get to your stats, and the stats themselves individually aren't that important. Um, obviously, it more links to the story that you're trying to tell with the monster, and also what abilities you want them to have. Are they a caster? Are they intelligence, charisma, or wisdom-based? Therefore, that's going to influence how strong you want them to be. Because then we get to the part where I feel like everyone feels really nervous about it, and that's the damage. And that's when I would compare it to something like, you know, your challenge rating table and your and, and or compare it to a monster of a similar power level that you're trying to go for. So just as a starting point, and I know the big tip in the monster in the Dungeon Master's Guide was then adjust your things. And I think that's the biggest tip because often you have to do a lot of adjusting. And then eventually it gets kind of a thing where you eyeball it. So if you were to say, let's say we've got a challenge rating 10 monster according to the table, that means they should do 63 to 68 damage per round. So a perfect round, 68 damage per round. But now what does that really mean? How do you calculate that? Because you obviously you roll to do that damage. Is that you could translate that sort of to like uh, eight uh, D8s in total damage, let's just say. Um, now, do you translate that into, can they have four attacks? Each one does 2D8 damage or... Do they have two attacks that do 48? Do they have one breath weapon that does 88? And then you think about, all right, cool. So that's what I'm going for. That's the potential way that I could split it up in terms of dice and everything like that. But now, how does it actually look and play? Because you'll often find, especially at higher levels, you're like, cool, so chandering 10 months, it's so cool. Boom, done in one round. Be able to, you're able to barely hit your hit off and your damage is, is middling. So that's when you go back to your calculations again. You think, okay, cool. On average, I've got this many party members. Or if you're just creating for publishing, you're like, cool, this is my average party. And this is going to be their maximum HP. This is that they could possibly have maximum HP. This 88, the 68 damage for level 10s. Uh, this was 10 monster for four level 10s. Uh, even if they're wizards, you know. Four level 10, if one level of those is a wizard and they have, a, let's say they have a plus five to constitution. Let's not even say they plus, let's say they have a plus zero to constitution and they get a quote unquote perfect roll, max HP all round, that's uh, 60 HP. That means this monster could at most down the wizard in a round. Not do anything to anyone else if that's their damage, 63 to 68. Not do anything to anyone else. Obviously, if you've got a breath weapon and stuff, that's different. But if they are able to do damage to multiple other creatures as well, think about if they've got a barbarian. Barbarian with max H max HP, obviously, in a perfect scenario, has like 120, like 140 odd HP, uh, probably more for like the tough feed and stuff. So this 68 points of damage, if it's bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing, is doing even less damage. So it's useless. So that's when you've got to think, you can't just look at these things in isolation and be like, cool, 68 points of damage is split it up into one breath weapon or you know, two weapon attacks. You might have to think, okay, the way that an average party works, it might be worthwhile to give it four, like a multi-attack of four small attacks and a breath weapon option so that different players or different uh, party compositions can still be challenged by this monster that should, by all intents and purposes, be challenging. And you calculate this. You look at all their HPs and you think, okay, cool. If I'm able to attack each of them, blah, 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 how much damage is it going to do and how much 
impact is that really going to make on my players? And that's kind of where it's at. Because monsters are quite variable. And it's it's the thing that I feel like DMs will edit the most frequently you know they'll often take a uh, what i often do is i'll take a monster from the monster manual above a certain level like level three or four for my players and i will not i will max out the hp i won't roll for hp i will take the max hp that they could possibly have at least before i do the calculations just because i know my players were strong and even if the players aren't strong by the time you get to a certain level they're going to have magic items anyway even if you didn't give them legendary magic items odds are they've gotten loot along the way so I hope this was helpful. It's one of the the more innocuous kind of uh, labile ways that I create homebrew. The others are a lot more rigid and I have this step and this step and I take you know lots of play testing and this is comparing and editing. But I feel like there's so many monsters to compare and edit to. And because the monsters are built using the challenge rating system, it's not entirely accurate. So I do feel like taking an average party that you're using, your party if you're creating this for your own adventure, but the average party if you're creating it for publishing purposes or for someone else and just going step by step through your defensive characteristics and your offensive characteristics and that doesn't even take into account like the fun stuff like the where would this creature be what type of elemental damage do they do um like what is the backstory behind this monster like i had the i had an idea for just like a general monster that's thinking of uh, uh arcanons which were this idea of young wizards that are that stretch their magic abilities so too far to the point where they lose this their physical form and just become almost like will-o'-wisps of mad pure magical energy and oftentimes it was like younger wizards so they're very heightened emotions and the emotions that they feel before they you know you know before they end up becoming these arcanons they that's what they feel most so oftentimes you'll like you would go into like i don't know like the old ruins of a magical school and some wizard blew it up and and it was big tragedy or something like that because of the how much they was overextending their magic and there's just lots of just somber and mourning arcanons in the area that you don't have to fight you can't really interact with them but they're highly intelligent but they can't communicate because they were from wizards but then then you would find one that was very volatile before and that one would fight you. And that is something that I feel like would have a very high, would, wouldn't have a very high AC because it can't move very much. But, and its HP wasn't very high, but it would resist pretty much almost every form of damage type. But it could be affected by something like Dispel Magic or something. You know what I mean? Like that's where the more fun, interesting stuff comes in. The damage, whatever. Once you get the hang of that stuff, you can really start to cook. And that's where I think the most fun is had. But that's going to be us for this episode of the RPGs podcast. I'll see you all next time.